with all due respect, but the man you're talking about was like a brother to my father and an uncle to me. A man of loyalty to our family for over 30 years. If you speak ill of him again, I swear to God... Enough! Only a fool argues. For the pride of a dead man. Prison in the States will get you raped. Prison in Indonesia will get you a promotion. This is Spoilers. Jesus. 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 It's not as bad as the Roadhouse one. The Roadhouse one was a really aggressive one. Can we admit that? Loved it. I feel like we've tried at this ground before, but yeah, sure, go ahead, Steve. It's a sequel, Josh. <laughs> How could I not do a sequel of Spoilers? Hey, Stevie, after what happens in this prison, I think uh, what would happen in American prisons is probably a little better. I don't know. He got a pretty sweet apartment. All I'm saying. I guess I just meant the 90 people that died. Oh, well, you know, yeah. Yeah. Shit happens. This is Stevie, your host tonight or today or whenever you're listening, wherever you're listening. And today we are spoiling the 2014 amazing masterpiece action movie, The Raid 2. I am super excited to talk about this, even though I don't think a lot of people saw this movie in the theater at all. Um, I think it's grown quite a following over time, even though outside of Corey, I think this is everybody's first time watching. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Corey, seen it? Oh, yeah. I saw this back in my drinking days, and that, which basically means I had no memory of it. So it was like a fresh rewatch, <laughs> which is really nice. You know, because it's such a great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I've seen underscore dupe underscore the raid too. <laughs> Are you implying that like knowing the plot details would somehow ruin this movie experience for you? <laughs> well, if you want to talk about plot, this movie has a great plot compared to the first movie. It's yep. it really takes the raid and improves it in a lot of ways. But I'm sure we'll talk about that, Stevie. I didn't mean to step on your toes. Oh there. no! Like I, I, I'm happy you got. It's like your first time again. Um, that was kind of my experience with Birds of Prey, and I haven't watched the movie since. I just remember really loving it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I'll ever watch that movie again. I just remember leaving the theater being like, wow, that was amazing. And that's how I'll leave that movie. But we're going to go uh, around the table. Let's go from Eastus to Weestus. And say your name, where you're recording from, and... <laughs> if you had to go to prison to be undercover and not serve too long of a sentence, what crime would you commit? Mm. Uh, this is Brett <laughs> from Fort Wayne. Obviously, I get no time like usual. Um, on the spot, Brett, on the spot. Ooh, man, it'd have to be a misdemeanor. Oh, I probably would. Would I go to prison for a misdemeanor? Gotta go to prison. Oh, man. You could commit a bunch of misdemeanors. Yeah. <laughs> that turns into one felony. I don't think it works that way. Does it not? Combo bonus. I'd probably uh, invent a computer virus that steals from my work, and then I would just go to white collar uh, (laughs) prison. This is the same answer you gave on Fargo. The exact same one. No. White collar hacking. Yeah. Yeah, I made the federal pound me in the ass prison joke. Yeah, but I'm actually making the office space joke now, so it's different. <laughs> Look at me. I'm the one making the joke now. <laughs> yeah. I would do do, do I, I would do something to not get me to maximum security. Maybe petty larceny or whatever. What would you do to go to muddy prison? Uh, Probably what the guy did in Return to Paradise. I mean, it's Indonesia, right? Make it. Oh, the hash? 
Yeah, I guess. Might as well. Yeah, this is Josh from Goshen. <laughs> I think all you really have to do is go to a foreign country, smoke some mellow hash, man. Uh, that's how you get in jail. You don't have to hurt anybody. Don't have to steal anything. Uh, you can't. I think they say in Return to Paradise, we couldn't afford not to buy it. So <laughs> that's a good like pre-jail, right? Or some something. Yeah, a little pre-J. I love how there's two Return to Paradise references so early that movie everyone's seen <laughs> yeah, that we did like two really, years yeah. ago. Yeah. You know, like in Return to Paradise. <laughs> okay, that movie, Joaquin Phoenix gets hanged for smoking the mellow hash. This is spoilers. So kind of being tongue-in-cheek here about, uh, yeah, that'd be terrible to go to whatever prison that was. Was it Bangladesh? Where was that, Brett? I think it was Indonesia, Malaysia. Ah, so that's why all the references. Malaysia, but... Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very close. Yeah, that's a pretty good answer, because, like you said, you're not hurting anybody. I guess my first thought went to, like, what would be fun to do, but also illegal. And I was thinking, like, steal a cop car and joyride in it, like Grand Theft Auto mm. style. Skeeter from Varsity Blues? Super bad. Yeah, just like that, or, like super bad um maybe yeah get drunk and shoot some bottle cans with the cops or whatever <laughs> like that'd be fun too but i don't know like anything kind of in grand theft auto like so get my five star warrant up Ooh. see how long i could like drive out there for. i'm guessing if you're gonna get your fifth star you're probably gonna go for longer than a few months you also might die well you know there's always another life you always can restart at the hospital right in real life so that's what <laughs> wasted I, <would> <laughs> I think that's true this is Corey, Kylo Ren memes. Uh, we've talked about this on a recent podcast. One of the things I would like to do with it, I think would be very fun and exciting, uh, is rob a bank. Uh, so that aside, because I've already kind of used that answer yeah. recently, yeah. like what would be something I'd, I'd do? I'd preferably something like a victimless crime. Um, but, you know, it's... Would you steal a DVD? It's hard to say that any really are. So, I don't know, maybe like, not wear a mask to the gas station. That'll prob- probably give me 20 years for that, right? <laughs> In California, yeah, probably. Hey, I think I know a good one for you, Kylo. Uh, pretend you're a dentist and give people too much anesthesia and like kill a bunch of people. Oh. Why is that good for me? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Are you guys having side talks? Well, why is that good? <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? I think he's making a joke about my wife being a dental hygienist, but I don't really... Oh no way, dude. Who's a misogynist now, Josh? (laughs) Yeah. No, I would not bring your wife into this. Honestly, no. It was just a weird, bizarre thing that I was trying to pin on you. We can move on. (laughs) What? (laughs) Stevie, I think you're up, right? Um, I guess. I really just kind of want to do an episode on why Josh would say that. Um... (laughs) really want to delve into that uh this is stevie recording from elkhart the crime i would commit i mean victimless i think it'd be painstaking for somebody is i would wait until like the, a construction shoot a construction crew was doing a giant like concrete job like unlock like world record concrete being poured and then just before it was starting to dry and people were high-fiving like the job is done, I would run across it as fast as humanly possible 
and run in diagonal and crisscrosses and cross barriers where they had to redo the entire thing. I think that would get me a lot of years. <laughs> okay, you've seen the movie Locke, and you would still do that. <laughs> what monster is this? Yeah, dude, you're crazy. <laughs> You'd be putting in that C5. Like, Locke is the monster of that movie. That movie only happens because of he's a monster. He only did it once, right? Do yeah, that, accent, please. Come on, man. Just trying to take the next logical step. I mean, the man made a mistake. She meant nothing to him. You could be uh, on the hook for all that money it takes to redo that. I would go to prison. That's what I just said. Yeah, but they'd probably just fine you instead. They might kill me. No, they do both. Yeah, that sounds like a prison and a fine. I, that's why I just, I mean, I think if it happened in America, at minimum five years in prison and a $5 million fine. Uh, but that's just my thoughts on it. Can um, pr- please do the accent? We got a Patreon member, I think, just because of the accent one time. Can you do it? Locke, we brought him up. Please. Which one? The, the traffic's fine. <laughs> indelible. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you. That's very indelible of you. <laughs> uh, let's get into this movie. Um, Josh, I kind of want to start the night off with you. I know that you're not a fan of violence in film whatsoever. You've gone on to say if most films that I pick are nothing more than torture porn. Oh, um, he says that about everything. I know. I think one time you called me a fiend for violence. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, how do you Josh. feel about? How would you category? How would you categorize this movie? Is this movie too over the top for you, or do you think it fits just right? This movie opens with a man begging for his life. That's what I'm um, saying. <laughs> And very coldly gets shot with a shotgun in the face. And it's shown. And I would go further and say, this is probably a Stevie Comfort film. So who's the weird one here? I will never forget forget after watching The Grey and how horrifying and tense that movie (laughs) is. You're like, yeah, man, good comfort movie. I can watch that movie every day. (laughs) (laughs) In like the last few months, I've seen, not counting movies that have like Warren, I'm like the three most violent movies I've ever seen probably. All within the last few months, and one was the raid, one was raid two, and the other was the new. The other, which is probably the most violent movie I've ever seen without a war, was Suicide Squad. Oh, that is a good movie. It is good, but I was talking about it's just so gory. It is violent, but Josh, do you think like this is too much violence, or do you think it's just right? <laughs> I not enough, maybe not I enough violence for you. Zone of violence. I, if I'm editing this piece, if I'm editing this podcast, I'm editing in George Lucas saying, "May have gone a little bit too far in a few places." <laughs> I may have gone too far in a few places. There's probably three scenes that I think it gets a little bit exploitive, even more than usual. I, I don't know, dude. I did have in my what notes, three scenes in my notes. How many faces get blown off? Several. At least three. At least three. It's the I've never part. ever in my life seen a blow off face like the very end of the movie. <laughs> it's so great. We'll, we'll get it's there. It's amazing. How many times did you guys exclaim the Lord's name in vain from things that you saw in this movie? I think that's like a good <laughs> like barometer for the effect this has on you. I like, audibly shouted Obi-Wan Kenobi at least four times. <laughs> I, was waiting, I was waiting for you to say something like that. Hello there. I just kept saying the... F- the body doesn't work that way, and uh, that would kill you. But yeah, no, I didn't exclaim any. I mean, Jesus is the first time I ever saw this movie. I did a couple of JFCs. Um, yes, yes, a, a couple at least, especially in the prison when that dude is getting his jaw torn away from his face. 
like when the police oh, are running in. It's it's <laughs> it's gruesomely amazing. It's a fun watch. And then also when Rama and that dude go to Haniori, which is a great hibachi girl in our area. Dude, that's in my it, notes. <laughs> yeah. When he took that dude to Haniori and threw him down, I was like, let's go. So yeah, I like violence and these sometimes are comfort films to me. A fiend. The raid is really good at using its like scenery for violence, right? Like whether it it's like smashing it someone into like a wine thing or even just like the way the mud plays in the scene. It's like oh, yeah. these little arenas get set up and it's like always uses the arena to the best of the fights like ability. It's so great. There were a couple, I can only think of one offhand, but like a couple of violent scenes, like kind of like what you're talking about where they use things around you that I've never seen before. One that I can remember is towards the end where he put someone's head through the window and it like goes to the window and hits the semi. Yes. Like I've never in my life seen that. It looked, it looked so cool. <laughs> Stevie, you are a fiend for violence. Is that like oh, such a bad it. thing to say? Like it's true. <laughs> okay. Okay. So here's the difference. Do. Okay. I don't like all violent movies. But what I do like are violent <laughs> movies that have a fantastic attention to detail. For between the camera work, the editing, the CGI, the stunt work it takes to pull these movies off, I really appreciate. So it's more like I love the skill and attention to detail it takes to make these movies, but the movies that these are are hyper-violent. Does that make sense? Right. So like... It's the filmmaking that you're really admiring. Yes. Right? But if, if James Cameron had pulled this off, there's not an ounce of blood. It'd be like, oh my God. It just happens that pulling this off includes gallons of blood. Right. There's plenty of examples of like super gory, violent, usually schlocky horror movies that aren't good because there's nothing in the filmmaking to make them good. Mm-hmm. But this really does have it all. I have to agree with you, man. It's, this is a fucking great movie. And I know you tossed it to me off the bat, Stevie, and I appreciate hey, that. Hey, no pun intended. Well, <laughs> I think bat that, boy. like, I was bat honestly boy. a little bit upset with you for the first 15 minutes that I watched this movie. Why? Because um, Andy died? Well, no. Going oh. into the movie, sorry to bust you out, Pap, but Pap said something Whoa. like, hey, man, I'm busy watching the lesser raid right now. I'll get back to you later. <laughs> and then I started the movie, and I thought it was like kind of slow to start off with. And I was it like, is. why are we retrotting these characters? CV's seen so many movies. Why are we doing a sequel right now? Um, that's just where I was at in the first 15, 20 minutes. Is it because they like, is it because Gareth Edwards really like subverted what could it like you you know you think that andy and rama teaming up at the end like okay brothers are united they're gonna go you know number two is announced they're gonna go take names and kick ass and then andy dies in the first five seconds maybe Honestly? but it yes pap are you gonna say like the characters weren't it didn't click with you maybe no well I think all things considered, I think I do like this one more, especially after watching it twice and kind of getting a better feeling of who everybody is. But it, this is not the movie's fault at all, but we've made allusions to this. The version that most of us watched is literally Dude. titled on Amazon, underscore, capital D-U-P-E, underscore, the Raid 2. And I have no idea what dupe is supposed to be. but the like, the, Brett, What does dupe mean? <laughs> I looked it up. I, didn't, I couldn't find anything about it. What does it mean? I, th I think it's literally just a dub mistype. I think it's supposed to be dubbed. Like, <laughs> it's a titling error of some Obviously, sort. It, yeah. It, 
looks like LimeWire circa 2007. Yeah, it's like HD cam underscore dupe <laughs> underscore the raid. Version like, 6. When I watched the raid 1, it was subs. And I'm subs over dubs oh, all, subs day. all day. Mm-hmm. I got to say, the voice actors, I, I made an allusion to Grand Theft Auto earlier, but it's like literally like Grand Theft Auto level kind of acting in some of this. Like, follow the damn train level acting it's like just Nico not and good Theft Auto 4. i don't know if, but if, if you guys had any problems with performances <laughs> like i Mortal thought they Kombat weren't at four and <laughs> cutscene. like <laughs> it could be nothing i just thought you'd want to know now while well, one of us can still take care of a situation like him i'll have my man monitor the situation if he steps out of line we'll take care of it don't worry who says I'm worried, asshole? <laughs> With respect. The respect is mutual. Well, I mean, I'm really sorry, sad to hear you say that, Pap, because if I can watch like, a foreign film, I will seek out subs all day. I cannot stand to watch dubbed movies, and I have subtitles even on you know American English movies no matter what, because I can't watch film and TV anymore without subtitles. Um, so I am so sorry you had to go through that. I, I've never seen that version. I don't ever want to. Not only that, is it just kind of like, like I said, just maybe not the best performances in my book, but there's also like some stuff that's lost in translation. Like I didn't realize until I watched it a second time with closed captions, which that's another annoying thing about the Amazon version are the captions are like significantly different than what the dubs are. Yeah, it's like 80%. Yeah, so that's like, that was throwing me off. So the first time I turned them off, when I watched it the second time, I didn't realize there's a, a big part of the movie is like the different gangster mafias speaking each other's language, right? Like out of like a yeah. show of respect or something. Like yeah. that's not even like you have no idea in the English dub. Like that's not even like referenced at all. So you're totally missed that part of the movie with it. He brings it up at the end, but it's like happened already. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you yeah. apologize to him in your language. It's like, oh, he did? It sounded exactly. like English to me when I heard <laughs> Can't believe you can't tell the difference between Indonesian and Japanese. There are Japanese people in here. That's what I'm talking about. I know. About. I can't. Well, there's three. Can't yeah. believe you can't tell the difference. <laughs> oh, How are I can tell the difference when it's all in fucking. I'm just kidding. It's kind of like um, uh, Return to the Thirty Six Chambers. You guys, I think we all watched it on Netflix, and it was the same thing. It was dubbed, and it like only about half the time it only matched the subtitles from Netflix. Like half the time. Can I give you guys a hint of advice? Please just buy the movie. Just if you guys want subbed Are version. Are you trying to Matt Negley at me buy physical media? No, Is that what you you're know me. me. I'm just saying if you're gonna go out of your way, if we're gonna do you know a foreign film, like I can find dubbed only. If you if you're really anal about it, you want the subs, just buy it. Just do what I did. Get lucky and get the regular version. Brett, these guys are saying the movie started slow, and I always. I mean, it's not really a term of mine, but. I always have a certain point in a movie, like where a movie actually starts, where you kind of trudge out of the water and you're like, bam, let's go. Uh, what was that point in this movie for you? I mean, like, I guess we're deciding that the Indonesian version of the casino scene is boring, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then you get a little ex- vibes, Brett. Agreed. <laughs> He's still breathing. <laughs> Oh man, that yeah. ne- never has a scene messed me up more than that scene the first time I saw it. Oof, yeah. Um, I swore off Vegas for like ever, and then I grew up. But um, 
Let's see. Then we get some exposition set up for the movie. Uh, I guess, I mean, the one of the greatest action scenes of all time, you say that, uh, I feel like we're going to be saying that a lot, is <laughs> you have no idea why. <laughs> he's, I'm sorry, I'm just getting giddy thinking about it. Um, he's in the bathroom. Yes. And he's just kind of pumping himself up, and the door's shaking. You're like, is this a zombie apocalypse, or uh, <laughs> what's going on? And then all of a sudden... He just starts, oh my God, dude, it's so amazing. He just starts beating all these people up. And of course they get him in the end, but that, I mean, I put up with 10 minutes of uh, tying up a previous film and a little bit of foreshadowing to deal to see that scene. That was amazing. There's no preamble to this. Yeah, no, there's not. They set mm-hmm. up that he's going to go commit a crime just to go to jail. And in the movie, we see him basically, I think, like saying goodbye to his wife. And then all of a sudden, he's in this stall with like 39 guys pushing yeah, in crazy. on it. This is the real 36 Chambers. But <laughs> what's really great about that fight is that he's in the stall and there is a, uh, what do you want to call it? Like a, a bottleneck, a choke, right? The, the door is only so wide. So not everyone can yeah. run in at the same time. So he's basically taking them on one, two at a time for a lot of it until like the crowd just moves right in. And they basically just dogpile him. Do you guys, anybody watch the behind the scenes on this? No, I meant to do a bunch of extra stuff, uh, but I didn't get around to it. Uh, director, um, yeah, the director is real genius with this. What they did was uh, they made the stall like standard size. And they decided they really wanted to do like close-ups and they wanted to get the DPs in there. They wanted to get, you know, the camera guy in there moving around with people. So how they achieved that was, is they had people on the sides of the walls, like moving them, like with the action. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the, awesome. The back part was attached to the wall. So what they did was they had these hinges in the front. They would lift up and move it with the action. So the camera guy can get in there. A bunch of bodies could get in there. So it made it seem like really confined and massive at the same time. Incredible. And there are some genius over-the-head shots too, right, oh, Stevie? Yeah. a lot of genius <laughs> shots in this movie. I like the de- the guy who's trying to climb the wall and uh, our hero just pulls on his leg and like crotch busts him on the top of the door and he like, falls <laughs> over. I felt so bad for the first guy. I mean, you can't feel bad for the first guy, but it literally gets his neck snapped like instantly. You always gotta- That's lucky compared to what some of the other people get. I know. It reminded me. Do you guys know? Guys, know what the Japanese sports called, where they have like, it's like someone's like on a wooden pole, and there's like a bunch of people on a team, and like people are trying to climb up on top of it and throw each oh, other yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I know what it's called though. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's what that reminded me of, honestly. Uh, but that really is like the first big scene. I mean, this story. Botashawi is what it's called. Mm. Bo- Botashi is the pole thing. I really kind of wish Americans had this sport just to see what would happen on live TV. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think Gareth Evans is a genius for what they, you know they achieved in these bathroom shots and scenes. And the overhead shots are incredibly cool. The choreography looks even more crisp, crisp than it was in the first one. Um, Brett, what's the martial arts that they use in the first grade called? It's, I mean, it's the same one. It's uh, Penchak Salat. Oh, Salat. Okay. Salat, yeah. Yeah. um, These guys trained for six months in pre-production to learn... You can tell. ...how to hit each other at full speed while not using full force. 
Uh, so it's a little more than just tagging in this film. They're hitting each other, but they learned how to hit each other without hurting each other, if that makes sense. But can they beat Steven Seagal? <laughs> um, that's the real question. <laughs> Dude, Brett, just imagine if he was in that stall and they just rush in and he's just like breaking necks, like <laughs> neck after neck. It's like that mad TV shit. <laughs> uh, Will Sasso? Yeah. Is this a type of movie that can't really be made now because labor post-COVID, like labor shortage, is just too expensive? They had to have so many people just training for like, how long did they work on this stuff? Uh, so they were training every day for six months with each other. So the main fighting principal cast, the people that were actually throwing blows with one another, uh, tra- uh, training for about six and a half months, and then shooting this film took close to seven months. So what's the budget? <sighs> Quite frankly, I'm not sure. Usually, uh, when it comes to Indonesian films, it's kind 4. of like other million. it's other foreign countries. They're you know kind of funded by the government itself. Uh, but because of kind of the cult following that the raid got and the somewhat success of it, a bunch of different companies stepped in for distribution rights. So I think the production was actually higher than you would think. You were saying that Gareth Evans wanted to make this movie all along. Right, but then he had to make the raid first. Basically. Yeah, so cheaper, right? Probably. I don't think he could get funding for a two and a half hour martial arts movie that really hadn't been put like to, to the test. Um, so really, the first film was kind of like I want to make this so I can get the film I actually want to make, you know, made. That's kind of the situation that was. How does a Welsh-born writer director end up in these? Indonesian government-funded films. That's I believe crazy. he's married to an Indonesian woman. Interesting. Yeah, quite frankly, I have no clue about his personal life, but that man knows his shit when it comes to shooting and lighting. And honestly, I mean, Kylo, kind of, what did you make of the prison like riot scenes? I think that is just a really fun watch. The prison riot is fucking amazing. Like, Mm-hmm. there's a lot of scenes that I will say are fucking amazing but and that's one of the big ones uh, following the bathroom stall one but it's really cool it's like there's this like slow build up to it like you know like a prison hit is about to happen and our main guy Rama is like getting ready and it's just fucking <laughs> and it's brutal man like uh, the one thing that happens that really stands out in my mind and it's pretty quick is like Someone throws a kick and someone catches the kick. I think it's Rama. And then he like hits the knee in the opposite direction and you just <laughs> yeah, see it bend downwards. That's the first one I said. I don't think bones are, uh, the, I mean, breaking through a tibia and a fibula are not that easy to do. But I don't care. It was awesome. There are occasionally times where someone gets hit and it something extreme happens like in reaction to the hit where you're like, well, maybe... That was a little bit too much, but they're going so fast that I think it works. And the movement speed in the fight scenes, I was trying to watch it to see if it was like sped up because it was like remarkably fast. There's a couple of whip whip cuts in there for sure. These guys move at incredible speed though, I think even when um, it's not a camera trick. There's an amazing shot like when the cops or or I guess the prison guards are like first running into the mud pit and it like follows them out through the tunnel 
then lifts up like above the mud pit and you just see like all of the prisoners running into the middle of the mud pit and like the yeah. blue cops like in the middle of the mud pit. It's freaking incredible. Like there's so many amazing moments of like cinematography in this whole like prison sequence, but especially this fight. Tons, yeah. You know what I was thinking of? We cover it as spoilers, the entire Game of Thrones like sec- well definitely the last few seasons but anyway the battle of the bastards i really think they borrowed a couple shots from the raid there's the overhead shots with all of the closing people in, in the prison and the guards like dying it's just straight it's so overhead good. and it really does look like some sort of like renaissance art as well it, somehow in a muddy indonesian prison it looks like that yeah, the amazing part to me about this movie is I, when people listen to this podcast, and you guys know I can't stand mud. Uh, <laughs> it's true. About it. Yeah. You said this is really clay, right? I mean, it probably didn't bother you as much, right? No, it's legit mud. So what they did was um, <laughs> brought in a ton and ton and ton of dirt. This was an old fort that they retrofitted to be a, p- a prison. So, like, the pretty much inner courtyard was all brand new the bars and windows were placed by the production company all over the windows make it look more look like a prison hmm. um everything in that courtyard was i mean built for this movie it's really cool to see but um what they did was brought in tons of dirt wetted it you know turned it into mud well they had issues during shooting because this is such a long shooting process the sun was baking it and everybody knows, like, when the sun hits mud, it's not good for anybody. It has a really tough time staying <laughs> wet. So they were wetting this thing constantly, built a giant tent over the courtyard to block out the sun, and that's how they shot it. So, like, <laughs> I don't think it was intended to be this way, but when they were, like, trudging through inches upon inches inches of mud, that was because the sun kept drying it out, and they had to reapply it and rewet it and bring in more dirt. So did they have to, like, CGI out? the tent like for those like they removed the tent shots? they like removed the tent when they started shooting oh, okay yeah so there was like in between shots throughout the tent tear down in between you know what i mean it's just anytime the sky was you know need to be in tear down the tent really can we talk a little bit about plot wise what this scene serves as do you mind yeah have at it josh i think rama he's in this undercover mission and you please know. correct please correct me if i'm wrong but he needs to get attached to Yuko, who is like this boss's Uko. This mob boss's son. And so coming with like he has to protect him to basically So I don't know. I guess this whole prison brawl is to show Rama gaining the confidence of Uko, right? And his life is at stake. Yeah, and this it probably happened even more times, I'm guessing, like, after this. But this is, like, a huge dramatic time. Like, right, like, yeah, he, like, diving saves him, doesn't he? Yeah, so this, like, this part of the film, I think, is probably the most important part when it comes to action serving the plot and stakes. I think the stakes are at an all-time high with this. But the simple fact that, like, no one really knows that, like, Rama is... You know, going undercover into prison outside of like maybe three or four people. The unit's so incredibly small he's working for. Not just that, but there's people that want Rama's head. There's people that are willing to get after his wife and his son. But also they like made it pretty much clear when he's going undercover and going to be prison, going to prison for multiple years, which he didn't even know, that like 
you know, if this dude dies, if what's his name again? Uko or yeah, they say if, Ucho in the dubbed version. It's not Ucho. It's it's. They say Ucho in the regular version as well. Do they? Yep. I'm oh. just reading. They rarely it. ever say his name uh, clearly, but at the end, they, uh, I believe, in the language, it's Ucho because the martial art is spelled Pensac, Pen, and it's Penchak. So I'm guessing the C makes a ch sound in Indonesian. I was just very rarely listening to the dialogue, more so reading it <laughs> and listening to the tone of voice. Right? He does hate subtitles, but like Ow. with this, pretty much. So the premise tell him is, if this dude dies, we really can't help you. You're going to be stuck there because you assaulted a politician's son and put him in a wheelchair. And also, there's a chance that your like wife and son may get murdered as well. So like this courtyard is everything to Rama. And the way he has to like run across the muddy field to save him too. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how you say the main actor's name, Iko Uwais. Mm-hmm. Iko Iko one day. Yeah, he is like this is the physicality of his performance and just like how tired he gets. Like it's very realistic in that sense too. Like you know how exhausted he is at the end of the fight, or like how he sees like all of his last energy to run across this field to like last second save Ucho. It looks really great. Um, but that guy who visits him, Stevie, in prison, you know, um, when the guy comes and visits him, mm-hmm. that is, what does he mean by like I made you just by showing my face? Like what is that? No idea. Who are you? I'm the guy gifting you five years just so you can say you belong. Since you've walked in, they've been eyeballing you all trying to get a feel for who you are. But by sitting here, I just made you, but don't worry. You can thank me later on. Oh yeah? Who do I thank for the fucking three years I got given? Bunoir said I'd be out in months, not years. Did you really think that crook politician would stop you from being here? That it would make things even? Fair? No. You went after his son. Be glad he showed enough heart not to come for yours. I need you to talk to Bunoir. Nah. (laughs) I'm just here to show my face. And I did that already. Now, you're on your own. Suck it up and don't fuck it up. I got an idea. I think that guy was just like a prison tough back in the day. So, like, they don't want to show who, like, Rama is actually connected to. So they just show a guy that's, like, really respected by the people that are already in there. That makes sense. Yeah, that's what I took away as well. So they paid this guy to do that or what? Probably. Yeah. I thought it was a better call Saul situation. He's just a really good lawyer. Yeah, just a lawyer that defends really shitty people. And they're like, oh, he has that lawyer. He defends everybody that's bad. That makes sense, too. Yeah. They don't really ever say. Yeah, that's kind of really not spoken. But, Pap, how does uh, Rama's new life unfold after prison? Because he's in there for close to three years. Yeah, I think it says two years later, awesome shot, like when he's coming out of the prison with like the title or the card two years later and like Mm. the wall of the prison and everything. But... Um, he's now best buds with Ucho. Uh, we don't see any t- more time of him in prison. He's on the outside now, but they've clearly formed a strong bond. Um, Ucho hooks him up with an apartment. It's got everything he needs. He looks at his dick. Him, looks at his dick for the first time in a long time. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that whole scene too, because I was a little confused on like where the wire had come from the first time. But like once I got a second, like the second time, like man, that scene's so great. Like I don't know if there's any kind of scene in a movie where it's like he doesn't know if there's any more surprises. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's what makes that scene so great. And he and like he just looks so scared as he's like turning around. And like showing him his dick and stuff, like you know, yeah, I mean? it's like really cool. It's such a great scene, and like they burn the clothes anyway, despite the fact that there wasn't a wire on him. Um, he's in, he's in deep now. Well, what are the chances that there was a second wire? I, what were the chances that there were the first? I mean, they didn't tell him there was one to begin with. Um, Ucho's dad is the main boss. His right hand man is undercover, as, or was undercover at a certain point. So like, I loved him. So, like, if there was a second wire, he wouldn't have said anything. Eka? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, all the superior cares about is what he can listen to. That's, like, the only work he does, driving around, listening in. <laughs> of course he wants bugs. As f- yeah, there probably was another one in there, Stevie, and they just didn't look closely enough. I mean, that's what I thought of it, at least. But, yeah, Rama gets a brand new start at life, and... His life goes to hell really, really quick. But before that, what really kind of launches the movie off is this character, Benjo, is really kind of the motivation for Rama going to prison in the first place so he can get close to this person, so he can get close to Benjo to kill him because he killed his brother, is Ucho is going to betray the family. And not just that, but he's also going to betray a beloved character from the first film, not playing that character, but a different one. <laughs> right. Corey, what did you make of the return of Mad Dog? <laughs> the return That's of not Mad, Dog. Mad Dog. You know, they could have said, like, man, I'm so sad my twin brother died. <laughs> 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 this guy, I don't know his name, uh, doesn't matter too much uh, for the purposes of this movie, but we yeah, know yeah. it's the same actor that was the ultimate badass in the first yes. raid. So just seeing him is like, okay, you know something's up. This movie is very connected to the first movie. I think they, you know, they expect you to have seen the first one. So when we see this guy, uh, we know something big is coming, and then we see what he's about. And he's like this, he's kind of like this downtrodden, like, hobo-looking dude (laughs) that is actually Mm -hmm. a one-man army. But he's so, like, inconspicuous. Like, you could just pass him on the street and you wouldn't think anything of this guy. He doesn't dress like the other mob guys. He doesn't, you know, wear three-piece suits or anything. He looks homeless. He looks very much homeless. He looks like the Geico caveman dudes. (laughs) And again, he's... looks like Lieutenant Dan. He's still not a very attractive man anyway, you know? (laughs) No. He's so dirty looking in this movie. I mean, I got nothing but respect for this guy. He is an amazing athlete. He's clearly an amazing fighter. Um, he has Plus, he pulled that wife. She's uh, decent looking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's you know he's probably <laughs> hung. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Uh, but Did he's we call great. him the Ronaldinho of hand-to-hand combat last time on the spot. I love that because he's kind of small, but he's so tricky. The what of hand-to-hand? Ronaldinho. Well, he looks like Ronaldinho. He looks like Ronaldinho. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean. It's to add to that, Corey. Like it's kind of sad because he doesn't seem like he has like a black heart or anything like that. Um, he was just really good at something. He said himself he's not. He was never really smart and not smart enough to do anything else. And all he cares about. And even uh, what's his name, 
the big boss says it later, like all he cares about was his wife and child. So he did whatever he could to take care of his family, even though it doing that, like lost his family for him, but helping his family and not seeing him is better than not helping his family. So yeah. He's I mean, kind of just like a victim of circumstance. He wants them to live well because he could he could work at Wendy's probably, you know. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, it ticked me off a little bit that she's over there on her high horse judging him, but she doesn't mind taking that money from him. Nope, not at all, right? Nope. She got to get her hair did. Yeah, I love this fight scene um, in the clubs. It's just so cool. Like, it seems crowded. Like, it is crowded um, when Ucho and... Uh, Mad Dog Redo or Redux um, are talking there. Then, like, when he closes his eyes and he opens them, it places empty and everybody's coming for what him. What happened to the people in the club? Yeah, I don't know if he's. Did he zone out or was he drunk or. Did he get drugged? <sighs> I didn't. I, I was led to believe, like, we were in his mind for a couple That's minutes. That's what I thought, you know? The movie plays it out like it's like five seconds and everyone's gone and the music's off and everything. But I think he just got lost in his own thoughts. He's looking at a picture of his kid, I think, you know, just thinking about his family, probably, you know, thinking about some regrets. And then all of a sudden, bam, it's on. Like he was about to go to to apply for Wendy's tomorrow before (laughs) this happened. Assistant manager, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna need to cut those fingernails, son. He's good. He'll end up killing the the manager. So, so are we to think that this like gloved, mysterious sunglasses man ordered this hit? Well, we we well, know they, he they, did. They talk about it. Yeah, they talk yeah. about. Yeah, they want to start a war, and the uh, that's Benjo's whole Ucho, endgame. Yeah, Bejo, Bejo, yeah, Bejo, um, and Ucho says it won't. He won't basically won't start a war over just any random killing or whatever. It's got to be someone who means something to uh, Bang Bangoon or whatever. So they Bangu get this guy that, man, yeah, who they've you know he's known him forever. He probably protected the kid, you know. But it is another one of those things that's kind of discussed after the fact. So you're kind of lost. True. At least watching this for the first time, I was kind of lost as to like who's trying to kill this guy. Yeah. So Bejo pretty much put those dudes in front of Ucho, saying, "Oh." Here's the cats that tried to kill you in prison, as well as look at these tattoos they have, which comes into play near the end of the movie. But with the fight with uh, Mad Dog, I just love it. His frantic energy is so much fun to watch. Uh, the, The brutality he fights with and also like the fact that not everything is flawless. It's really dirty. He's getting stabbed and beaten in the back constantly. And one thing I did enjoy what this movie did was it, I mean, you know that he's probably going to die, but oh, like yeah. when it shows him exiting the building into the snow, and like <laughs> you see the assassin that works for Bejo just standing there, you're like, okay, this is where this man is going to die. And nothing I love more on film than blood on the snow. What a yeah. great way to end these scenes. There you go. Like the snowman, right? Yes, like the snowman. Perfect example. That's where it all came from. Yeah. <laughs> Did anybody, I don't think uh, Ucho's plan was very good. I mean, like, there's going to be dead bodies and stuff. Surely they could prove that it wasn't the Japanese, right? This seemed like a, not a very good plan. I don't know, like, how the mob hits work. Do they have, like, a cleanup crew that come collects the <laughs> they bodies? Cleaners. 
Because those were I Bejo's mean, people who were taking taking him down. Yeah. At least the assassin was. I'm pretty sure everybody else was Bejo's people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of his whole end game is to pit the Indonesians against the Japanese, starting an all-out war. Everybody's dead, and Bejo can rise to prominence, right? Pretty much. Pap, what did you make of uh, Ucho turning on his dad? Was that the ultimate twist, or could you see that coming from a mile away? It was an ultimate anime betrayal, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Top ten ultimate anime betrayals. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, you know, the dad has way too much patience with his boy. There. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. He's got to he's got to put the bro. hammer down way before this point. Because even <laughs> even after Mad Dog gets assassinated. He's talking to Eka, his right-hand man, who's also an undercover cop, like you mentioned, Stevie. But he's like, this is no good. No good. Like, he already knows that, like, shit's gone awry. But he lets mm-hmm. it get way too far. Um, yeah, I mean, there's that scene with the Chinese. So there's the Chinese, the Japanese, and, like, the Indonesian gangs, right? Is Correct. that how this town is, yep. is split up? And they have to, like, go make peace with the Japanese or whatever. And like I said, I think I said this before earlier in the podcast but that whole thing was like totally lost in translation the way that like he's like capitulating to him in Japanese or whatever but he finally gets the courage to like kick his son's ass and be like you ruined everything and then Bejo walks in and it's lights out for the dad which I don't know I wasn't expecting him to get shot in the face like that I wasn't expecting the son kind of has like a happy look on his face I don't know if you guys caught that or all but he didn't seem that upset about what he had done. Eh, I thought that, I thought what I saw when he said, forgive me, I thought, but at the same time, he seemed like he was uh, a psychopath, the whole movie. He's a total psychopath. So I can't imagine uh, if he has any feelings for his father, it's probably just of need, necessity. He shoves a microphone in a prostitute's vagina at one point. No, he's a a psycho. I actually think they do show on screen some remorse here. They a couple times hang on him af- with his dad on the ground dead. And I think even like Bejo talks to him and he doesn't even respond because he's just like out of it. And then the next scene they show him, he's like furiously washing the blood off his hands. Great visual. Blood on his hands. A lot of blood. Well, he could be, I know, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds of psychology or whatever, but I guess he could be uh, sociopathic. They have a tendency to make relationships with people more and to actually feel what, I don't know, they think is love-ish. So I guess that could be it, Josh, maybe. I just want to clarify one thing. Pappy, he does not put a microphone in a woman's vagina. He puts True. it up to her vagina and asks her to <laughs> sing from it. So it's it's more funny and less weird than you described. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you found that scene funny? He shoves it up there. <laughs> I was not laughing don't, at that don't part. <laughs> I was laughing a fucking lot in this movie. But That's misogynistic, dude. <laughs> is there it a is. part specifically, Corey? Um, anytime someone's like head got caved in and shit like that, th- that's just my reaction to stuff like that. It just makes me laugh. I was actually thinking, because Josh, you're probably the expert on this. I was oh wondering, boy. by the time I finished this movie... What would Quentin Tarantino think of this movie? Have you heard him mention the Raid movies in any of the thousands of interviews you've listened to, Josh? <laughs> thousands of interviews. I can't recall. Uh, Pappy, can you? 
not that I remember. It, I do get a lot of Kill Bill vibes, though, from this movie, especially with kind of like the quirkiness of the bad guys, right? Like the Bat Boy and the blind girl with the hammers. Hammer girl. They felt like, yeah. they felt like Kill Bill characters, kind of. This is like Kill Bill meets The Departed meets John Wick. I got to imagine Tarantino would love this film. That'd be my hunch. I have to imagine Tarantino would be like jealous of these films, honestly. Why? Because they got an R rating? <laughs> I 100% agree with that. I think he would cream in his pants if he had the capability to fight choreography. Yeah, the choreography and like camera this. work of it. I think he would just love it personally. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I, I and I like Quentin Tarantino. I'm not dissing him. I mean, the Crazy 88 scene is a is a legendary scene. But like, this is a whole movie of Crazy 88 scenes. Yeah, this movie has like at least three. So that's pretty yeah. epic. <laughs> Brett, is there one in particular, the Crazy 88s, don't mention the kitchen scene that stood out to you? Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, I love the fact that this movie literally has bosses. Yes. yes. Brett. And it, they call them like henchmen on Wikipedia, but no, these are freaking video game bosses. Yep. And it's right before, can I mention the scene right before the kitchen scene? Oh, yeah, please. Dude, the scene when he fights Hammer Girl and Baseball Batman is like the freaking best. Everything in that building is awesome. The, yes. The, the reds really help like offset like the Fight Club green that comes inherently with the movie. That's kind of, I mean, it's not as bad as Fight Club, but it's not it as bad as the first made, one. It made the reds also, look like poop, that's for sure. What's, yeah. What color is the hallway scene? Is uh, that red too? Red, some yellows, browns. Then it goes to white, and then it goes back to red. I also love when he storms like the warehouse that leads into the, and he mm-hmm. starts running people over, and then he like gets stuck in the wall, and he gets tit because he wanted to run more people over. John Wick Two <laughs> totally ripped that off, by the way. What did John Wick Two? Like that warehouse scene is beat for beat, John Wick Two. Like they had to have watched this movie and said, "We're just gonna do that." I mean, it's the exact same. I immediately thought of The Last Jedi with that Red Room epic fight scene. Maybe Corey got some vibes too, where Rey and Kylo Ren are together fighting the... Never gonna let that one go. Oh, that's cool, yeah. (laughs) The Knights of... Whoever the fuck those dudes are. It's not explained. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I... I... How do I want to say this? I agree with you, Brett, though, about, like, the bosses. Because this whole movie, there's so much, like, henchmen that are getting, like, carved through that you don't know. Yeah. But these guys are, like, set up earlier, right? During the whole big mob war, when, like, all the sides are just, like, killing each other. It's basically, like, a kill spree montage. Those two really stand out. Especially, to me, like, the Bat Boy. Yeah. Because he, he, like, Babe Ruth's motherfuckers. Like, he, like, points to him, and he, like, tosses (laughs) up a ball and, like, hits it at him. And then when the ball's on the ground, he, like, demands that they return it. <laughs> it's, it's like uh, in a, a movie full of hundreds of amazing fighters, they make sure to single out, uh, what, four, maybe four or five, and that you just know that they're all going to face each I mean, they're not all going to face each other, but, you know, you get the main character. And then, like you said, when they kind of release, unleash these three bosses to kind of get the, to take over. You get to see those. I mean, the God, the 
Does the assassin say a word? Because if if he doesn't, that's even better. Like I, I don't think he ever speaks in this he's movie. He's just so he's so amazing. He just sits there and just so scary. And I just I love all three of them. Imagine, I mean, what's Bejo's confidence level that those three people? Oh, hundred percent. This guy is going to get through. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. They're going to kill this guy. Yeah, I mean, he'd bet the house that Rama wasn't walking out of that kitchen. When you see the, you actually see fear for the first time when he comes in and he, you know, he stumbles over to get his gun. But, but yeah, so I don't, I don't want to jump the gun on that. But, I mean, I, I, I will say this. I, I don't want to be that guy. But, I mean, a lot of these, I'm going to be that guy because I am that guy, I guess. But, a lot of these situations uh, could have been helped out maybe if some of these bodyguards had any. Uh, what are they called? Um, guns, knives. Oh, damn! Well, Almost had it. I okay, think... Brett. I want to speak to that. Because the first movie's all guns. Well, this movie yeah. is improved by the lack of guns. Yeah, no, and, and it makes it, it, it does, but like, I guess, I'm, and you're right, it does. You're 100%. Let him rebuttal. But at the same time, it's like, you're obviously not living in a world where there's no guns because we're just coming off the raid redemption or whatever, <laughs> and that's just freaking automatic warfare. But you're right. I just The logical side of me is just like, man, these guys are crime bosses. They, they should have, they should have some... Guns, but I, I guess it's just part of the movie. It, Fuck it guns, give me hammers, bro. That's, I want <laughs> hammers, I want baseballs. I want little fucking sharp hooks. I don't know what those are, but they're cool. Mm-hmm. I've never seen those before, but the one girl and Lucifer always use those, so I have no idea what they are. I want car crushes. I want Hanayori stovetops. Oh, I want go. wine bottles. <laughs> dude. He fucking when- Freddy Krueger is that cop, dude, on the stove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. Dude, his face is the makeup on that looks so good. I know it's so good. Now I just want to see like uh, Bill's Kill Squad and uh, Go Go. Maybe not all of them against uh, like the four or five studs in this movie. I just I just want to see him now. Yes, Josh, you you brought up the car chase scene, which is really just a cool piece of filmmaking. What did you make of the camera work of that? I mean, you're into like you've worked behind a camera, obviously. Uh, what did you make of that? I don't know that they have like car doors on hinges again. With they people. did a lot of cool stuff. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, hearkening back to something Brett said earlier I, in passing, but this Eka character, he's really like showing his stripes here. He mm-hmm. was so cool in the scene where he's like, you're a fucking traitor. And he just tries to draw. And then like, he's got this like shot leg for the next like half an hour and then he's driving in this car in the scene that you're setting me up for and he's just like a badass i love seeing this dude um but the camera work is amazing who's talking about that semi headshot out the window part oh, earlier? Brett. I, I just think there's a lot of little touches like that and a lot of just bodies like still in the car <laughs> sort of feel to this TV. it feels so full like you you couldn't even imagine how they would fit a camera into these places yeah so one of my favorite camera like transitions like i've seen a lot of movies this is up there like top two like one two or three um is when they're doing the pass off between cars i think that is so cool do you know which one i'm talking about he jumps off the back? No. So there's a sequence when 
A camera is like kind of on the side of the car looking back. Another car speeds up into frame of that camera and it passes through that car out the other side and then back into another car. When it, is that where um, the, the Eka character gets like surprised like right at the end of that sequence yeah, yeah. or whatever? Yeah. That's fucking amazing. Dude, the way that that looks, like it's like one continuous shot. And you say they were like passing the camera, like yeah, between so the cars, they had basically. Pl- yeah, they had these two kind of like pallet type platforms in the side of the cars. And they had a little bit of suspension and like pull to them. It's so like when the other car would speed up, it would pass in front of the driver, but there would actually be another person out of frame in the backseat grabbing that camera, passing it through the far window <laughs> someone's laying down on a platform and then grabs it from above and then another car comes into view that is so cool it's such an incredible shot and i love like when the motorcyclist just gets an uzi straight to the face yes. in that sequence too like a full clip i've Waste never so seen, much ammo overkill. i've never seen anything like that in a movie like yeah. a full uzi to the face incredible that's one of the moments that i laughed Oh yeah, I'm sure. That really does remind me like, of Inglorious Bastards, Hitler's rubber ass face. <laughs> Hold on, Brett's gonna tell us that it's not an Uzi. <laughs> no, 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 no. First of all, that's hilarious, Josh. What you're talking about? Uh, no, but I hate to like burst the bubble, but like, it, and we know it's a movie, but you know, like cars, the metal on cars doesn't stop bullets. You know, like it's always kind of funny that they're shooting at him, but he's like, oh, he's behind that little thing where the seatbelt clip is. It, <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah, that little tiny strip. <laughs> what if he was in a woodside? What if he was in a woodside? Yeah, like a. It'd be even easier to go through. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, there's one spot you can hide behind and not get shot out of the car. You got to hide behind the engine, like you know. Hmm. But like, <laughs> what if Dom Toretto had reinforced the car before? Yeah, all? exactly. Well, now we're, we're okay. Now we're just getting <laughs> just crazy another talk. day at the office. You guys are talking <laughs> about this chase scene, which. I agree, is amazing. But it was making me think, and I thought this a few times in the movie, that this movie, unlike a typical American movie, doesn't like over explain or make excuses for itself. I kept thinking, like, if this was an American movie, that Eka guy would have been like, I used to be a stunt driver or something <laughs> like that. Because you know? <laughs> he's doing all these car stunts. And, like, I think the reason why some people might be kind of maybe confused or. Um, just maybe not sure what they're in for at the beginning of the movie is because it, it doesn't over explain, you know, like, no, it doesn't, it just, it gets into it. It's like, these are the characters. It's not going to go into super great detail. You'll learn along the way. You're, you, it's like, are you with us or not? And, uh, I know you guys have talked about how you appreciate respecting your audience. I, I agree with that as well. Trust your audience. Yeah. You yeah. know, they were, I'm drawing the blank. There was a shot where they, this is going to end up being nothing, but I saw it and I was like, they made a point of something and they showed it down the line and I said, please do not pan back. God, you know what? I'm not going to talk about it, but it was exactly like that. I'm like, trust your audience to know the little trick you're doing. And I think a couple times in this movie, they did that where they trusted us and they didn't go back and be like, you get it? You get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I mean. That kind of stuff can be said visually too. Yeah. There's a sequence where Mad Dog is like getting tea with the big boss, Bangoon or whatever his name is. Then it immediately cuts to the Mad Dog guy like being on the street with just a machete mm-hmm. next to him. And you don't really put two and two together that he's on a hit job for 
the big boss, but then it's all explained later in the movie as things happen, right? So like on your second watch, you're like it's way more clear. But I like how it's just like, is this a flashback? Like what's happening here? And all of a sudden he's just starting to charge this guy that he sees on the street slowly, Michael Myers style. It's pretty great. He's big time like a horror movie villain in that scene. He's he doesn't run. Did you notice that in that scene? Freaking it's yeah. Jason Voorhees. It's literally with a machete. True. Yes, that's the it's one. It's also a cool shot where I've never seen this in a movie before, but he stabs that guy through the fence. And then like when he pulls it out, not obviously it, it feels like you can just see the pulp of the mm, body yeah. on the other side. It's like oozing down and then you see his eye. It's like, yeah, that's uh that's pretty freaking cool. That's like a that's like a flex, a director flex. So. And the camera's like through the slit on the other side, I think, on that one, yeah. And I think this movie has a little bit more sense of humor than the first raid too, like with the baseball bat stuff. Like I think that's hilarious. Like him calling a shot, like Babe Ruth, <laughs> like Corey said. And like in the scene, the the guy who's running away like pushes his girlfriend at oh, the yeah. mad Classic. dog to try and like block him. It's like, okay, dude, we're rooting for everyone's rooting for you to get killed now yep. at this point. <laughs> I think the director, writer, editor, which I think that, you know, Gareth Evans editing this while they were shooting it is incredible. Uh, he said the reason they did that is because uh, on a six or seven month shoot, people can get really tired of each other. And he didn't bring this up, but it kind of brought it to my attention, like what happened with Tom Hardy in Fury Road, which is just him in the desert, not knowing what was around him or what they were trying to accomplish and him being pissy, you know, for four months in the desert. Like, Gareth Evans was showing all of his actors what they were accomplishing as it was happening. So he said it gave them momentum throughout the shoot. Like, I know this sucks. I know it's incredibly hard, and what we're doing is, like, nearly impossible, but I promise you, like, I'll show you at the end of the day what we're doing, and that's what he did. Good tactic. I would just love to think of him having, like, little private screenings, and they're, like, all kind of wary from the day, and then they just end up, 16 like... 16-hour shoots, Josh. And then they're like, oh, yeah, woo! <laughs> like, seeing their <laughs> shit, their dailies, just, like, looking badass. That'd I mean, be fun. if you were working on this movie, and they showed you one of these amazing scenes, you would be like, this is going to be the biggest movie ever made, right? Yeah. Watching this movie, it's like, especially rewatching it, Every other scene was like, oh, my God, I fucking love this scene. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God, the scene's amazing type thing. Like, there's so many, like you said, like crazy 88-level fight sequences within this one movie. That had to have, like, pumped them up just to see the, the fruits of their labor like that. I mean, you think about it. Most of these guys put close to 12 or 13 months of their life into this movie from pre-production to end. Like, it's just incredible to think about. And Corey kind of... You know, it kind of struck me when he said, you know, trust your audience. You know, Gareth Evans takes a character that everybody loved with the first movie, uh, Brother Andy, which you thought would team up with Rama and gets his head blown off in the first minute, you know. And not just that, but I think it's incredible that a movie that has nothing to do with, you know, car chases or really cars in general does cars better than most Fast and the Furious movies, you mm-hmm. know. Well, let's not be hasty. Well, no, what I'm saying is, like, because uh, what's the main character? I think um, Aiku Uwais was in one of the Fast and Furious movies with Paul Walker in the uh, in the bus. I think that was him in the bus scene. And There's that, w- Oh, sorry, Stevie. I was going to say, that scene is schlockily, like, awful. Like, if you're going to bring, like, another genre into, like, you know, a part of your film, at least do it correctly. 
as I said, attention to detail, Gareth Evans does that pristinely where he's doing stuff with the camera that most directors and productions would never dare to do. But go ahead, Josh. Well, do you like that part where that one car hits the median and that body just immediately like yes. flops out dead? Yes. That's like better than anything I've seen in any Fast and Furious <laughs> movie. That should have happened to Dom like 16 times by now. I think you were offending Corey. I don't mean to offend Corey. What I'm saying is this movie does everything with like a hyper version of itself. You know, it's not just a fight scene. It's a fight scene with so many layers and so much chaos going on that it makes it incredible. It doesn't just lend itself to the fighting, but as well as the car chases too. I just find that to be really cool. This is a different kind of movie than the Fast and Furious movies. This movie deserves more respect, if I'm being honest. (laughs) (laughs) The Fast and the Furious movies, I like them. They're fun. They're ridiculous. They're completely unrealistic cartoons. But Uh, this is way better. This is also unrealistic, but it is more realistic. It's more well executed. It's It looks better. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to... If you're going to compare it to the Fast and Furious movies, that's better. <laughs> I still like them, though, even though I agree. Pappy, let's get into it. All right. What about that kitchen fight scene, dude? Yeah, I've seen a lot of people say it's their favorite fight scene of all time. I mean, I'm kind of right there with them. It's way, way, way up there for me. I can't name one that I like more. Um it just gets more and more intense. Yeah, it's the way that it builds, right? Like the way that even from the beginning, the way that um, the assassin like slides <sighs> up to Rama, you know, he <laughs> just that like so much shuffles his feet to get in position, and they kind of have this like stop and go thing at the start. But there's like also just this incredible attention to detail as they're interacting with their environment, right? Like where the blood is being left on the ground, like, or when the glass is breaking or even how they're moving throughout the room. And it's always like consistent and like the the flow of the fight makes sense. I mean, fuck dude, this is, this is an amazing, amazing scene. Eight days, right? Stevie took eight days to shoot from start to finish. And like, we know about the assassin from early on with the death of Mad Dog. Uh, we kind of we even know like when Rama comes in to seeing his boss murdered by his son, that like okay the assassin's like the real deal. This is like final boss type stuff. And like what Pappy said when he does that when they do like the slide up with each other, it's almost like a tournament. Like you know, let's kind of gauge each other here. I think that's just a really cool look. And Rama had lost to him once in the movie already, like you mm-hmm. mentioned, but he was real fucked up, like in that fight, right? He had just, like, he just got done pouring, like, disinfectant yeah. on his open wounds and, like, shaking on the floor. So he, and he still barely lost. So it's like, you got the revenge factor going on. It's a fair fight for most of it until the assassin busts out his knives or whatever. Then the intensity of the fight just, like, gets ramped up even more and the music builds. Like, <sighs> God, it's just so fucking good, man. It just is so good. And one thing I, I mean, I can just, like, this is my favorite fight scene of all time, if I'm being honest. Like, nothing, like, you know, if you told me this took 50 minutes to shoot, you know, versus eight days, I'd be like, wow, that's just absolutely incredible. The attention to detail, you know, we've done movies, I don't think Josh was on the Collector episode, where we say, you know, in the house, we had no clue where we were with any of the characters at any time because we never really got a layout of the rooms and how they interacted with the rooms. 
even with the chaos of quick cuts and being in close quarters and blood everywhere and such fast motion, I still had a great idea of where they were within this kitchen. And like just the respect of where they were close to things and their environment, I thought that was incredible. Big time. That too, like I'm not a big fan of, this is like a very Jason Bourne style camera. Right, mm-hmm. like it's very shaky. Not as bad, but yeah, it's on that level. There's a lot of shaky cam going on in this, and I'm not normally a fan of this, but it doesn't bother me like one, one iota. It like adds to it, like the, it's like vi- the vibrations, like you like almost feel it in you. Yeah, it's. I think it, but I don't mind that as much. Like the first time I ever saw the Jason Bourne scene, before shaky cam kind of like came into the zeitgeist of filmmaking in 2000s i i thought it was cool but i guess i could see how it can like disorient you and stuff like that so also i really want the cover image for this episode to be the face that the assassin's making when he's like crouched on the ground all spread <laughs> out you know what i mean <laughs> like a little break in the fight like that's that's got to be the instagram cover in the, in the, for the episode Can I offer some criticism as we really give a lot of praise to this movie and the scene in general? Please, George. Okay, so this movie is, it's a long movie. Two and a half. It's a very long movie. And and besides the fact that our main character doesn't just grab some wine bottles from this huge cellar and start whipping some ass with them, I I was just wanting him to do that the whole time. But besides that, I gotta say, I might have been getting a little bit of fight fatigue at this point. Mm. The scene is amazing, but I think you know the main's gonna win at this point. And like I said, it's a long movie. There's a lot of fight scenes. And I think, I I don't want to edit any of this out or anything, but does that jive with you at all? Like just despite its cinematography like you've been sitting down for a while now watching people's faces get kicked in yeah it's like uh it's like lesbian porn you're like you, you need for it to end you need to have something to, to wait for well now what? that's misogynistic <laughs> i did not say that right at all anyway i was just joking i can understand that Jack. how you get fight fatigue the only thing i counter with is it's doing stuff that we haven't seen in the movie yet you know what i mean I think a lesser film would have had Rama just stand up with him the entire time and have a minute fight with just leg kicks. Like, this went to the ground. Like, when they're on the ground kicking each other back and forth or, you know, slamming each other's heads in to the island, you know, back and forth, and also the assassin is just covered in an immense amount yeah. of blood. And with the music building, I didn't get fatigued from it, but I could understand how someone would be. I feel like right when it was like you start to look at your watch, you know, like figuratively, I feel like it ended. So I, I almost feel like it was perfect. And like if the last minute would have been the same as the previous seven or whatever, maybe. But like when they both get the, uh, I looked it up, they're called karambits, karambit knife. Mm-hmm. Um, when they both get that and they're uh, the main guy is just like ducking and slicing up the assassin every time, like using his momentum against him. I thought that was like amazing. It was like a new wrinkle, you know, blood spraying. It, I just, I, I'm kind of, I mean, I, I could I could definitely see it as well. I said like, what I said, but I'm watching this back actually in the background right now as we pod and it's mesmerizing. Thank like, you. It really <laughs> is amazing. There would be nowhere to go from up. 
from here. Like, I'm glad it was kind of like the last big fight. It was the final boss. No topping it. Yeah, I'm glad there wasn't like another, like, they go out there and, you know, now he's got, I mean, he does a cut. There's a little bit of fighting, but. That would be real fighting. But he'd already gotten rid of, he'd already fought all the fighters. So. Mm -hmm. Like. Now, if, like, if the the guy from Three Ninjas, (laughs) the Dance for Me Babies, Light Up the Eyes, like, just walked out, I would have been like, my favorite movie of all time, but no. The, what about the Ninja Joker guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he would have been perfect for this movie. <sighs> yeah, oh yeah, he could have legitimately been in this movie. Like that could have been a thing, and I would have been like, yeah, that kind of fits. There would be like a henchman that wears like crazy makeup and has he's, a sword. He's like the mystery assassin the Japanese send to oh, try to take my out God the Indonesians. Yes. <laughs> With. The two scenes that are kind of connected between the kitchen and then going out to like the main restaurant room with Bejo reminds me of is like a video game where the second to last boss literally takes like a YouTube video and like an <laughs> FAQ guide sheet and three friends and a lot of Red Bull to figure out how to beat well, him. Goro was way harder than Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat. And then, <laughs> and then like the final boss is like an interactive level where you just have to hit a certain amount of buttons and the game's over. Like, that's what this reminded me of. Enter the Matrix style. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but Corey, take us home. Take us into Bejo, uh, Bejo in the Red Room. Uh, well, let's see. Bejo's in there. He is kind of like uh, joined forces with uh, Ucho. And uh, I I don't fully get this. You guys can help me out a little bit here. but Raza or whatever. Yeah, he's like, I think, a corrupt cop or some kind of yeah. law enforcement guy. Um, but Ucho sees a tattoo, right? And the camera shows it to us, mm-hmm. and then they show us his reaction. So he notices something is up uh, with this tattoo. Now, as far as I understood it, um, people that tried to assassinate him in prison also had that tattoo, right? Yeah, so Bejo, or Bejo, however you want to say his name, he wanted an all-out war no matter what. So he hired the guy from prison to actually kill Ucho to think that it would start a war, you know, from the inside, it would venture out. And um, Ucho didn't know that Bejo tried to have him killed while he was in prison. And that tattoo kind of linked to him being like, oh my God, he tried to kill me in prison. Like, this is the guy that tried to have me killed. I see. And the reason that is a big deal to him is because he's essentially just getting played by Bejo this whole time. He just killed his father for no reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, he, those are like his men that he offers up like he's doing uh, Ucho a favor. But I mean, I don't know. He's just a freaking snake. So go ahead. It doesn't matter. Well, there is an amazing moment here. And I, we, we talked about it briefly earlier where uh, Bejo is like gunshot, like laying on the ground, dying, <laughs> wounded. <laughs> And fucking Ucho takes this shotgun up to his face, standing directly over him, <laughs> and just blows his fucking face to smithereens. How they, how they awesome. do that to make it look like it looks pretty good? It's a quick cut, I think. When when it fires, it cuts to a dummy. Exactly. And it's amazing. It looks incredible. Like I was wondering how they got him to say so still. There must be some. You know, computer trickery. I think they involved. really blew his face off. Have we seen that guy in a movie since then? Oh, shit. <laughs> He's been missing for five years. The crow style. <laughs> oh, my God. That's method no. acting. No. R.I.P. Brandon Lee. Stevie, in a movie of over-the-toptedness, did you feel like Bejo's 
character and persona was even maybe a little bit contrived or something or did you like it almost like kind of like cartoony type like almost cartoony in a way yeah but we i didn't feel like we needed that from him well i'll say this you know this is i don't if this sounds bad i don't mean to at all within the context of the movie there's not a whole lot of difference between, you know, the Indonesian side and the Japanese side. And because there's, there's been a peace treaty for 10 years, so it's kind of at a standstill. And then you have Bejo in the middle, which is just creating chaos. So I think his character is that way, like intentionally for a reason. If this is an American film, who do you cast that dude as? As Bejo? <laughs> yeah. Danny McBride. I was getting some Jeremy Piven vibes. Oh, I hate him. Josh, tell me, I know this is like a point of contention for you guys, but Josh, did you not get any brick vibes at all? The guy's like unhealthy, the boss, he's got henchmen that are stronger than him. Doesn't the guy, doesn't the bad guy in brick have a cane and not breathe very well? Interesting. Is this a noir? No, it's not a noir film. I mean, I'm not saying. I mean, the storyline's somewhat similar, but that, otherwise, like that part, I would think it was boring. If it was yeah, yeah. Happy, would be I out. would think it was real boring at a two and a half hour runtime. I thought the Bejo guy kind of looked like Prince, to be honest. <laughs> Anybody get that? Especially like in the last scene. Um, I don't know, but I, I, good. Well, Purple I was just, saying, I thought it was like over the topness, like kind of fit with the tone of the movie, right? Like he does have like almost like a mustache twirling villain. Appearance to him, racer like, X. There's that, there's that part like in the restaurant where like he knocks over a glass and gets super frustrated. You know what I mean? Like, um, like he's like, we can do anything or something, and he like knocks over a glass and starts cursing because he can't pick it up or whatever. I mean, like, he's a Bond villain essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yes. He fits with the movie. In, in a movie where everybody gets to where they are because of strength and brute force and everything like that, he's the cunning guy who can't fight. But if anything, at the end, before the final climax, he's got the power. He's earned his way to get the power. I don't know. It's just a little maybe nod to being more cerebral as opposed to, I don't know. Yeah, he's got Nintendo power. The sunglasses at night. And and I guess the gloves thing pays off because you actually see that that tattoo that Corey pointed out were really shown on camera is like kind of tucked in behind one of his gloved hands, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's on his wrist. Stevie. Corey. Was there a raid in this movie? <laughs> Great question. Is there a raid? Well, I mean, kind of, right? There, there's a couple of raids when you think about it. I mean... You know, at the very end when, you know, my Who's boy raining? Rama, uh, my boy Rama's on his last limbs. He just wants to go home and probably see his wife for the first time in years. Uh, there's a raid there. There's a bunch of folks coming. Yeah, but which raid is the titular raid of the movie? Uh, there's two raids. Raid two. Well, the titular raid is the moment that Benjo kills Andy. Because Rama raids everybody's lives after that. It's a nonstop raid. It's a single man raid. It's a, it's a, it's a raid on humanity at this point. Uh, definition 1B in uh, uh, 
Merriam-Webster says it is a surprise attack by a small force. And if that is the case, then there are like 13 different raids. Rama's like 20 soldiers in one, so I, I'll take that. But I've been saying, there's a surprise attack by a small force so many times. Then again, they're also pretty blatant. They don't really <laughs> surprise attack. They're like, hey, look, I have hammers. <laughs> or, hey, I'm walking towards you with a machete. So. Or a bat. Pap, what'd you make of the kind of, um, I guess we could say non-concrete ending? Oh, I liked it. Um, the piano music at the end is great. Um, it makes me want to raid three really, really, really badly. It'll never happen. Never say never. It'll never happen. How long was it in between Mad Max sequels, Stevie? Oh, man. Literally never say never. That's like, true, but I hope- We're getting a oh. Beetlejuice too. We can get a raid three. We could. I, I th- Honestly, I think post-pandemic, like in a normal theater year where, you know- we're not getting same-day releases on HBO Max and whatnot. I think the Raid 3 could make a boatload of money. But yeah, I I mean, I love this ending personally. If you're not really being known what is said, like Pappy said, the music, piano music's great. Rama looks like he's just on his last legs. Stevie question, what do you think is being said in the inaudible dialogue? <sighs> I, I think they're offering him a home because he has no home anymore. A home or a job. I think that's well, the home is, is the job, yeah. And it, it, it's a callback to when, uh, what's his buddy that died? Eka basically said something like, you can't get out. Uh, you either get sucked in or you get uh, tempted by all the stuff. And he's just like, no, I just want to go home. And he says, no, so, I'm done. And I think, really, honestly, I think that gang would leave him alone after he single-handedly... Destroyed yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody. I don't, I don't think they have a problem. And that one guy seemed like a pretty reasonable guy. He seemed like, you know, he was like, oh, okay, yeah. He, he, he's not heavy. And he would just be left at that. I think... I think Corey and I actually came up with a better ending earlier. Like, yeah. I think that ghost guy, we set him up from the middle on, just getting ready. He's about to unleash hell. And then when the door <laughs> opens, it's not the Italian, it's not the Japanese army, it's just that guy. <laughs> and then he's like super disappointed. Yeah. The guy's like, dude, I'm done. Get and then he just drops his sword and goes home. <laughs> he does the exact pose where he's like holding the sword with his head turned to the side. I'm sure and, you can hear and, the music in your head, Brett. I can too. <laughs> and then Rama just walks by him and but then flips the switch on the uh the pressure and it just gets the guy right in the face. Like in three ninjas. <laughs> his one weakness. <laughs> All right, I'm done. I mean, I do have two final thoughts when you're ready for that. All right, let's go to final thoughts. Okay. Oh, I've already forgotten one. Um, <laughs> that was fast. That yeah, was it was that was bad. All right, well, I'll skip it then. Oh, well, no, one. Oh, it was stupid, but say it. I thought I thought Eka reminded me of Damon Wayans Jr. Uh, if you go back and rewatch that again, just look for that. Um, my thing that I was teasing earlier with you, Stevie, that I am curious to know if the people who watch the dub picked up on. Oh, yeah. is, and I said it was kind of jarring. It's a foreign movie. They're speaking, they're speaking foreign languages the whole movie, and then all of a sudden, in their one meeting with the Japanese, they literally just start speaking perfect English. Did you get anybody catch that? I could don't know if you could tell that with the dubbing. It was perfect English the whole time for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, but, I mean, so yeah, you I'm would, you would only know that if you watched the subbed version. What? 
So are you talking about like when they're like, in the meeting and they're speaking perfect in- perfect English? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you would only. It's really weird because you don't expect it. Like they don't do it at all. Yeah, I think. Now, it... I guess. I guess maybe it's the translation between Japanese and Indonesian. Like it's like a common language. Mm-hmm. But it's just really weird. They don't do it again. Well, it's it's like a neutral language, right? Like it's it's like showing that they're on even even playing field at that point. And like later, he speaks Japanese. Like the only mm-hmm. indication you get in the subtitled version, though, is if you have the closed captions on it says in parentheses in English. In, in English, even though, the, tell me even though use, the whole thing's in English. Yeah. Do they did they allow them to use the real voices? No, they didn't no. like change their voices uh-huh. all of a sudden. That would have been fucking crazy. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Oh, wait, so they still dubbed. Even the English, yes. oh, so that's it was bad. dubbed. Yeah, and like I said, if you didn't have the closed captions on, I don't think you would know at all. There was no other indication of that. Yeah, to me, Brad, the English speaking part kind of reminded me of Kill Bill, with uh, I'm now gonna speak like English to like let you know how uh, serious yeah. I am. That kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> but that's the yeah. exact kind of thing that happens in an American movie, right? They yes. announce the reason why. <laughs> yes, yeah. Ex- exactly. That's that's a perfect point. Uh, any other final thoughts? No, I think I got that. Okay, let's go. Um, f- oh, oh, go okay. ahead. Just, just Brett's final thoughts. No, no this? one was answering. Go ahead, Pat. <laughs> I. <laughs> well, if Brett's done, my only other final thought is we've talked a lot about video games based on movies. Now that like the golden age was when we were growing up, Stevie. Mm-hmm. Like, how sad is it that we're never gonna get like an amazing raid and raid two? video game like that would just be they so used fun to do that it was like pretty common while growing up that they would release a video game coinciding with the film that was being released like it has the bosses and the sub bosses built into it the levels oh, yeah. everything's right there like it would be so much fun i mean they still could the warriors like beat em up game came out in like 2007 and that's like yeah. a 70s movie yeah it's a little more retro than the raid though like it's got a still a cult following can take things a long way if they would make a raid video game that was incredibly difficult, like that you had to like master every single move, I would buy it in a heartbeat. I think that would be a ton of fun. But Pap, it is kind of sad though, because I remember Enter the Matrix being released with Matrix Reloaded, and the thing it was, was so good. it was it, better than the movie. And the thing was, is it didn't make a whole lot of sense if you hadn't seen the movie, because they were cutscenes directly from Matrix Reloaded. They made a video game around. And if you played as the girl, you got to see her kiss another girl. So you always wanted to play as It was her. amazing yeah. as a teenager. Any other final thoughts? I wanted to make a joke about how the Bat Boy was found in a cave. Like <laughs> the Weekly World <laughs> yeah. cover? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I also did love how he died at the end. I mean, just the bat sticking in his in his head and falling down with him, I thought was a nice little touch. Dude, after the hammer girl dies, I love how he goes full Super Saiyan mode. Like, he just, like, goes fucking crazy swinging that bat after the hammer girl gets hammered. Dude, he's really chopping love, wood out there. <laughs> I love the sign language aspect of it. I know it's quick oh, yeah. in only two scenes. I thought that was amazing. It showed, like, they had this connection uh, to psychos, but I thought it was awesome. Is this girl kind of like almost Helen Keller-ish too? She's got like one of her eyes messed up, yeah, but she's got she's another. She probably, son. Went, she probably went to Haniori too. <laughs> oh, <God>. Okay, <laughs> Stevie, do you notice how every fight scene 
in these raid movies has a beat that they hit where whoever's winning that particular moment will like just be on the same body part over and over again for a couple seconds. <sighs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's very uh, satisfying. It's extremely satisfying. I love it anytime they do it in this movie. It happened with Mad Dog in the club where he knocks a dude down and does like the Ipmon punch like 30 times into his head. And I love it every second he does it. The hammer girl has a moment where she's just like hammering one dude's stomach for a minute. I mean, almost every character has like, I'm going to focus on this elbow for a minute here. Six bucks of my left nut says... Gareth Evans shot way more declawing scenes that he could not put in the final film. <laughs> like, jeez, what would have been edited in this movie? What what couldn't I pass the censors in this movie? I personally think the the jaw ripping scene in the prison was cut, like early. There was like an early cut there. I think there's a cut out there where that dude gets his jaw fully ripped off. They don't show that part where that pick is going to go through that, that guy's <laughs> dome next to his grave. Maybe that was shown more more clearly. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's get into yes or no's. Let's start with Brett. Okay. uh, I think this is an absolute masterpiece. I think it is a master class in movie making. I think it's action movie hall of fame. I mean, I put all this stuff in my... I don't think I really need to say that much more. I just, I think this was incredible. Um, I mean, the storyline's a little cliche, but it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, uh, old boss changed, you know, changes his ways, gets less aggressive, younger, upstart, usually a family member, you know, oh, what are we doing? We're blah, blah, blah. You know, and it, but I don't care. It, It was awesome. Uh, I would recommend this to anybody who likes action movies and have never seen it. Awesome. I love the first one, but I, I think I like this one more because it had a better storyline. Fantastic. Awesome job, Stevie. Ah, thank you. I'm, I'm really glad you like this movie a lot. I, oh, yeah. Heck this yeah. is a movie I want to share with the world, but unfortunately, my wife hates violent movies, and I have a young daughter, and my mom hates violent movies, so <laughs> I get to share it with you guys. So I just want to say thank you. Uh, Family. Thank you. Exactly. Let's go to Happy. Yeah, so it was really interesting back-to-backing because I wasn't on the first Raid podcast, so I watched that, and then the next day I watched the Raid 2. And there aren't really that many examples that I could think of this. Like maybe Alien and Aliens is like the only one that I can think of, but this sequel is so different. Mm-hmm. than the original and like a completely the funny thing is is like I, that's why I love the question like how would you describe this movie because the first one is just like this relentless pedal of the metal 90 minute basically like gunplay assault rifle play um, you know raid assault on oh. like, yeah precinct 13 or whatever like type movie this is more like an epic crime drama with different crime families and people trying to mm-hmm. rise to power and politics but like all within this like hyperbolic over the top violence with great characters and like so many great set pieces I'm going to use the masterpiece too definite masterpiece word too definite definite hard yes liked it way more the second time um, 
it is kind of shitty because I know Stevie is like, yeah, just buy the Blu-ray. I, I, a lot of people can't just like drop $25, you know, on a Blu-ray, which sucks because I don't think there's a good way to watch yeah. the, su- the subtitled version. Stars. Apple this. TV. They so have it too. Wherever you can find it, like go out of your way to watch the subtitle version because the dub version really sucks just because of the dubbing. But other than that, extremely hard yes. Great pick, Stevie. Thank you. Yeah, I don't think I actually officially gave it a... Yeah, it's a, it was a Vigo rock hard, so I didn't know. <laughs> That's 100%, so... Uh, let's go to Corey. Yes, this is Corey. I'm going to give this movie a yes. What an amazing movie. This movie has more story than the first one to its benefit. Uh, and it has less guns to its benefit, and it has more gimmicks to its benefit. So this movie takes what the first one did and said, you know, what can we do to make it better, right? And even though I would say the first one is still great, I also like the idea of what, of what they did in this one, where they said, okay, now it's going to be um, more of like a mob story. You got this family, and they're killing off these guys, and this family's involved, and these guys are at a higher level than these guys, and it's all being witnessed and partially participated by our main character, and it's just great. Obviously, the fight scenes are amazing. It looks really good. It's just a spectacle to behold. It's a movie that I, I don't think that many people outside of like, you know, wannabe film critics like us know about, which is kind of a shame. Mm-hmm. I think if I would just ask like a, a, a co-worker, a guy that likes to, you know, watch your occasional Tarantino movie, have you seen The Raid or heard of it? The answer might be no. And that kind of makes me a little bit sad. Uh, but it's a yes for me. Very cool. Last but not least, lover of violence, Josh. I will give this kind of like a special yes, because I think it's a special situation when you go into a movie quite cynical like I was. And like, I I just honestly didn't think um, another raid, another uh, just blind violence sequel was going to be like great content for spoilers right but (laughs) I think it's like the 15 minute mark as soon as we get that first real fight scene and you see how special the fight scenes are in this movie and how much how many new things they're bringing to that it's really just worth it and I lost that cynicism real quick after that point um and just going real quick back to one of Brett's things that he said about bosses, and we've been talking about video games. There's even the scene where they have to go shake down these like porn guys at Ooh. some point. Oh yeah. And even that scene has like a boss, and he's like an old crusty kind of <laughs> Weasley dude. But even he like pulls off some badass moves and is clearly above his henchmen who like get mowed down pretty quick. But I really just like the Stevie, and um, I know it was probably like kind of a risk for you picking a sequel, and when there's so many movies in the world to pick from. But I, I think you nailed it. So thanks for bringing this to us. Yeah, I um, believe me when I say I want to do the raid too. Like first, I 
think this movie is just an absolute masterpiece. I think the first one is a masterpiece. I was just thinking to myself, if we can just get through the first one, you know, they'll see what amazing filmmaking is in the Raid 2. And by, I mean, everything is just amped up or stripped away for its benefit, like Corey said. And one thing I love that this movie did that the first one didn't have was the color vibrance. There were much more vibrant colors in this film that really stand out where the first one, it's very chromey, very gray, very dark. Um, it's kind of hard to tell, you know, what's going on in certain action scenes. And this one just clears it up right away. It does have a two and a half hour runtime, but, <coughs> sorry, uh, it flies by for me at least. And this movie is extremely violent. I, you know, if you're squeamish or, and I wouldn't recommend showing this to mom on Christmas day, uh, even if you know you love films, like I would say, you know, if you love if you love movies, watch this movie. The filmmaking is so brilliant. You're wondering how they pulled off certain shots. Watch the behind the scenes. Listen to the coordinators, the actors, the director, you know, who also wrote and edited this film. You know, watch all of it. It's just an action masterpiece, like you guys said. I will say this. You know, I've always said that. Mad Max Fury Road is what I consider to be the greatest movie of all time, or the greatest action movie of all time. Uh, it's also my favorite movie of all time. I think this is tied with it for greatest action movie of all time. It just goes and goes and goes, and I never got bored. Um, even when it's doing stuff like not fighting, it does it to a degree where you're just like, wow, in that, in that car chase scene, it has more of a story. So I will give this the hardest of yeses masterpiece. Hey, I got a quick uh, unanswerable, maybe unanswerable question for you, Stevie. Mm-hmm. What is a what was a higher seller, the DVD that had that woman with the strap on, or the obvious bestiality DVDs that they also had? I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> they they had them broken down by like a picture of a woman and a man, picture of a woman and a dog. I mean, I don't know if you guys caught that. Oh my god, no! They were making some pretty. Nasty stuff there. Do you think they were making the Ola videos from the counselor? Oh God, uh, I don't know if they needed to go that far, but maybe. <laughs> That's a little comic relief. Uh, my uh, no, I. Matthew, you <laughs> Man, said when she comes out with the dildo on, that's pretty cut, funny. Stevie, I was gonna say oh the counselor gosh. and a Return to Paradise <laughs> reference in deep one episode. Deep cuts on this one, boys. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon. Deep cuts only. How hip are we? <laughs> you can only actually listen to our Fury Road podcast on Patreon only. True. That is correct. Uh, Pappy hosted that one, right? I think it was uh, me. I think Josh did. Josh, you host that one? I mean, it was me proudly hosting yeah, Stevie's it... favorite movie possibly of all time. <laughs> I know. It's always a risk for me. But you guys ready for some trivia? Because we're doing yep. the movie game. And I think the next one's Spooky Spoilers. Woo! Spooky Spooky Spoilers, let's go. Okay, this week's game is called (laughs) Damn Chan Seagal. We're going to go around. I'm going to give you a movie title, and you have to tell me who was in that movie. Jean-Claude Van Damme, Jackie Chan, or Steven Seagal. (gasps) Or, it's always or, not and. It's always or. Okay. What is that, rule out one movie? No, I'm just making that, sure. Yeah, yeah, does that rule out the Kung Fu Pandas? I just gotta know Called if out. it's a select multiple choice or all of the Pap's above. Like, but there's Kung Fu Panda 1, 2, and 3. Who, so who are the people again, CV? Jean-Claude. 
I'm calling it Dan Chancegal. It's John okay. Dan Chancegal. <laughs> so it's uh, Jean Claude Van Damme, Jackie Chan, and Steven Seagal. There was no rhyming third option. There wasn't. Well, I almost went that route, but there's a lot of overlap. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. And to the listeners at home, if there is overlap, it's good using my discretion. So whatever actor I'm thinking of, we're just going to go with that one because it's getting late. So, All right. I got this. It's been nine months. Let's go. Yeah, let's do this. Order is Josh, Pappy, Brett, Corey. So, Josh, you're up first. Okay. First title you're going to get. I'm going to do it in the movie voice. Black Eagle. <laughs> and it's if, if you miss, you're out. Oh, my oh, God. God. I'll go with Steven Seagal. Josh, you're out. That was Jean-Claude Van Damme. Not familiar with that title. Oh, God. This is going to be hard. <laughs> okay. Who's up next? Pappy? All three of those guys got some schlubs. Okay, yeah. Let's go with Pappy. <laughs> I sent you the order earlier. That's why you knew it. I'm, I'm going back and forth. Lay off. Okay. Next one. Nowhere to run. Um. Damn. What? John Claude Van Damme. Damn. Wow, that's correct. It was a trick question. Good on you. How was it a trick? Why was it a trick question? Because I went with two Jean Claude Van Dams in a row. Oh. That's not what a trick question is. Well, if you do on that kind of <laughs> test, but anyway. <laughs> Nice try. <laughs> I try, dude. I try. Try harder. Okay, Brett. Your next one is... <sighs> the Myth. That sounds like a Jackie Chan movie if I've ever seen one. That is Jackie Chan. Good job. Wow. Okay, Corey, you ready? There you go, Brett. I'm ready. <sighs> the Perfect Weapon. God damn it. <laughs> I was like, say Rumble in the Bronx. Say Rumble in the Bronx. Um, say Rumble in the Bronx. <laughs> well, that's going to be Dam or Seagal. So I'm going to say Seagal. Correct. That is Steven Seagal. Mm. Good job. Wow. Nice. Pappy? Your next uh, one is... The spy next door. Um, I don't know. Uh, Chan. That is Chan. Good job. There you go. Sounded wholesome. <laughs> Sounded wholesome. <laughs> okay. Brett, you ready? Yep. Your next one is <sighs> Sudden Death. Mm. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme One of my favorite movies It is Jean-Claude Van Damme I know Future spoilers pick? Oh for sure Everybody should see Sudden Death If you're a film lover oh, Okay You're gonna do Van Damme movies? <laughs> hey, lay off Van Damme alright He was good in his day before the cocaine Okay Your next one is Corey Alright hold on Half past dead Ah, let me see. That's not Rumble in the Bronx. Um, 
Should I go with Van Damme or Seagal? Let's see. Seagal? It is Seagal. Good job. Yeah. Oh, wow. What the heck? I know. These guys are getting oh, it. Let's wow. go. Okay. Sounds like an obscure Seagal movie I've never seen, and I guess it I is. I know. All right, Pappy, you ready? Mm-hmm. We're going to go with... The Glimmer Man. We talked about the fucking Glimmer Man because yes. it has the Wayne's brother in it and <laughs> Steven Seagal. It is Steven Seagal. It is Steven Seagal. I brought it up. I saw it when I was a kid. Yeah, I Googled it. I'm like, I want to watch this movie really badly. It's way too scary of a movie for me to be watching at like 10, but oh well. Thank you, Brett. You're welcome. All right, Brett, you ready? Yep. Your next one is... <laughs> Monaco forever. Oh. Jackie Chan? Bruh, I am sorry. Ah. That was Jean-Claude Van Damme who played Gay Karate Man. No. Yeah, it's in it's in the list, Gay Karate Man. Oh, that's not a wow. starring movie. No, but it's in a movie he was in. Okay. <laughs> See, that would be Pap. You're in, uh, Corey's next? Corey. All right, Corey. For the win. For the win. <sighs> Shanghai Noon. Oh, jeez. Get the fuck out of here. He gets a freaking blockbuster. I get one where Jean-Claude Van Damme's an extra. If I don't get Shanghai Nights, I fucking riot. Uh, I hope these are being pulled at random, because that's it, just... They, it was pulled at random. That's I was just laughed good luck. when it landed on it. Do I even need to answer? <laughs> Owen Wilson. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uno Schmash? Jackie Chan. That is Jackie Chan. (laughs) I believe he's in that one. I get gay karate guy and he gets freaking blockbuster. (laughs) I'm so sorry. It just landed on it. It's all right. It's fun. It's actually funny. Okay. Pap, you ready? Yes. Good movies. Oh, my God. All right. Oh, this is... Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, Pap. We're never going to pick this for spoilers. This is funny. Your next one is Legionnaire. I know it. Van Damme? It is Van Damme. Good job. I was hoping for that one. Mm. All right. Corey, you ready? Yep. Your next one is (laughs) Out for Justice. (laughs) Ah. The inhale is killing me. That's so funny. See, the obscure Jackie Chan titles, I'd probably know. But when it comes to the other two, and this is I one know, of the other it's, it's two. It's a coin flip, I know. Say it one more time. <laughs> Out for justice. What's happening, man? Seagal? Uh, Seagal. That is Steven Seagal. Good job. Oh, wow. How many of uh, these you got? Oh, I got plenty, dude. It's just getting hilarious at this point. They each got, what, 50 <laughs> credits? Yeah, he's he's still got that Van Damme movie where he's Random Man Two. <laughs> yeah, Random Bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pat, Predator are you uncredited. Mm-hmm. Your next one is <sighs> Pound of Flesh. <laughs> Steven Seagal. And your winner! Oh, oh no! It was Jean Claude Van Damme. I am so excited. Corey, you've been on the Schneid for how long? I think I did. I re- we recorded Hedwig, I think, in January, and I. And you haven't. You've never done a spooky spoiler, have you? It's the best spooky spoiler oh, this yeah. podcast has ever seen. The longest. 
Was it, we did the mini series of it? <laughs> yeah, a year yeah, ago. Oh, yeah. That you was don't <laughs> I said they should have been doing Rock Lobster in the cave fight. That was like <laughs> a three hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, do you want me to give you some time or do you know what you want to spoil right away? Give them time. Toss it to spoiler, man. All right, let's give him some time. Give him some time. This is exciting news. Take it away, spoilers, man. Special thank you to our patrons. Matt Troll. I can exist in this world with no set of rules to follow. Brother Brian. If he pulled a trigger on his own father, he won't hesitate to come for us. Druid King. All right, how about this? He is also a major benefactor. Nick. We're a small division, but we're small for a reason. The Meg. The respect is mutual. David. Now take your clothes off. Nurse Stacy. It's wise for you to remember your place. Brother Ellis. No. No. I'm done. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcast spoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. To do this, one, search for movie spoilers. Two, click on our orange spoilers bowl logo and scroll all the way to the bottom. Three, leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Spoilers is now available on Audible. And we're back. Okay. Corey, you've won this week. What are you picking for spooky spoilers? I'm picking Pappy. That's Aww. my pick. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> it's, I, Pappy. I'm let, it's Pappy. I'm going to defer to Pappy. I'm going to let him take care of the next one. I got a few things going on, so he's going to be uh, your our next host. So over to you, man. The creator of spooky spoilers. This is exciting. In exchange, I will give Corey my next win. But I'm all out of Evil Dead movies. Which Thank made God. me really sad. No, there's, the, there's the remake. The TV Thank series. Good. I'm not picking those, though. Um, <laughs> I want to pick... We used to have an early lead. A director like jumped out to a very early lead. Then he fell like way back behind Sam Raimi. We first spoiled one of his movies um, a long time ago in 2016. And we hated it. A Cure for Wellness. Oh, and then gore? we spoiled... Rango. Yeah, I want to pick oh. another Gore Verbinski movie. Mouse but this hunt? is oh. We'll do that someday, but this oh. is 2002's The Ring, starring nope. Naomi Watts. Oh. I will not be on that podcast, so... The Ring. Gore Verbinski's back. Future Let's King of Spoilers. <laughs> Enjoy. Wait, that what? See you after The Ring? What's Brett saying in the background there? What's, He's, what's he happening? refuses to be He's on The Ring because it haunted him. Why? Just don't watch it on VHS and you're fine. It's... Not scary. Is it because she does a crab crawl? I don't know. Okay, yeah. it's probably because of the crab crawl. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's exciting news. Also, this Christmas, we will be spoiling Mouse Hunt. Those who are waiting, I know, anxiously. Believe me, we will hop on that classic this Christmas. Gore um, Verbinski. Gore Verbinski. But, yeah, but what about Rat Race? No. 
I'm telling you, Mouse Hunt, believe me, it's a legitimate classic. I promise. The Lone Ranger? <sighs> yeah, he, he, I know. He's kind of fallen on hard times lately. <laughs> <laughs> this is the tale. Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> but... Uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. I know it ran a little long, but this is a long movie that really deserves all the praise that it got. Um, if you haven't, check out our Patreon. No pressure. We do have some exciting content on our Patreon only. If you just want to keep listening for free, by all means, please do. We love any listen. Any listen's a great listen. And um, check us out during Spooky Spoilers. That's going to be such a fun time. Ooh. Cannot wait. Pappy's back. Gore's back. With the ring, Brett is going to be on it no matter what he says in this episode. That was spoilers. Brett! Okay, who wants to trade? What? Dude, I got so much editing I'm doing. <laughs> oh, well, it's gonna... It's gonna have to go to Pappy. I think uh, I'll, I'll trade with you. Yeah, yeah I got you, the benefit of your trade last time. You should give yeah, me yeah, your next win, Pappy? Yes. Yes, yeah, so it has to go to Pap. Okay. Fair. Do you want me to kick it to you, Corey, or do you want me to kick it to Pappy? Actually, I'll kick, kick it to Corey first, and you kick it to yeah, Pappy. Yeah, hold on. Give he, me a he second. He explains it. Just give me like one second so I don't. All right, let's come back. Or don't give me a second. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. (laughs) Up to you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yep. That was spoilers.